I've been following our guest ever since I stole some audio from him to make an Instagram Reels. And I actually really am intrigued by his ability to put his art out there as a circus artist. If you don't know what a circus artist is, follow him, the official Tro. But mostly because he is openly gay and um, has been very open about calling out homophobia, a, a version of homophobia that's been going around called queer baiting. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that in today's episode. So if you are offended by adult language, it, there are some themes in here that we will be discussing that could be sensitive to certain people's ears. So with that, take warning. You might want to put on some headphones. We do use some language in this episode as well. Or just skip this episode completely. If that's something that makes you uncomfortable, no big whoop. But here it is. This is the official tro. Well, for the, for people who are listening, um, and maybe don't follow you, and you should follow Tro because it's very entertaining, and and your art, you're you're you know you're a circus artist, so it's very artistic. It's beautiful. Um, but then you are very direct and you call people out and I just love everything about what you represent. But for those that don't follow you, how do you tell people, this is who I am. This is what I do. I think it's that, I think it's like, uh, instead of trying to be an influencer or being a certain thing, you've just got to be almost brutally honest. Like it's social media. So everything's like, you, you have to sell things. You have to oversell. You, you can't be subtle on social media. You can't be timid. You can't sort of be like, oh, I hope people maybe like it. You've got to be confident. You've got to be over the top. You've almost got to like sell um, this version of yourself that that's a little bit louder than your reality because, I mean, there's millions of, of profiles on social media. So you can't afford to, to be like, oh, I hope somebody likes my stuff. You've got to be like, I've got to sell it. I've got to present it. And they're going to like it because I'm confident in what I'm doing. Like you've got to be a little bit arrogant. I think... That's what people don't understand. I mean, all the time, like, like of all the good comments I'll get, there'll be at least one that will like roll their eyes at me and you're just after attention. You're a narcissist. It's kind of like, well, no shit. I'm a performer. Of course I'm a narcissist. You don't get on a stage in front of hundreds of people and demand an applause without being a narcissist. It's like in the same token, like, like maybe let's stop assuming that being a narcissist is a bad thing. Mm. I think narcissistic behavior is okay as long as you're not a bad person <laughs> like you know what i mean like like it's part of the job you, you can't critique a performer and sort of try to dismiss them as being narcissistic or full of themselves because if if we weren't we wouldn't sell it we wouldn't do the job like you have to you have to be overconfident like like we've all done it as performers we've all been backstage and we've all felt like absolute shit or, you know, we, we've literally had like, I mean, there's probably been performers that unknown have had something like COVID. So they're, they're, they're run down, they have a fever, they feel like they're going to throw up. But then their music cue happens and they're on stage like nothing is wrong. Mm -hmm. Like, that's what we do. We, we switch it on. We make it happen. We make the razzle dazzle, like all that kind of stuff. So I think I think you have to um, acknowledge that that, yes, you have to be yourself, but it has to be a version of yourself that you can sell. And if you're not confident and if you're doubting it, people know, like it's, <laughs> it's, it's not going to work. And like, like you, you can't half ass it either. Like you need to, 
like if you're if you're gonna go for something you need to go for it mm. um, i think people are scared to to even um post things on social media because there's that fear of like oh what if people don't like it what if people hate it and they will like even my most popular videos there's people that hate it it's crazy i'll, I'll post a, a a circus video and there will still be people who will hate on it in some way and you're like why i don't understand <laughs> Um, and you sort of just have to have to be aware that that's sort of how it works. Unfortunately, I'm not saying it's right, but, but no matter what you post, no matter what you do, you're going to get people that will want to argue with you just for the sake of it. So you've got to not be scared of the reaction and you've got to sort of go that 110%. And then, I mean, there's a lot of trial and error. Like, like you don't, I think people get annoyed that they don't gain all their followers like overnight. <laughs> and so they get a bit complacent. I, I was getting annoyed that I'd never actually gone what I would consider viral. Like, I feel like, uh, my accounts have always grown quite slow. I've never woken up one morning and been like, oh wow, I've gained 10,000 followers. That's never happened to me. I've done this like slow grind over like years and years to build up my profiles. And I only just reached a million views on a video like this week. Like that's my first one. Congratulations on a TikTok video. Yeah. And, and it, it's, it's kind of frustrating because you see someone with like 30,000 followers and their three pinned videos are all in the millions and you're like, Oh my God, <laughs> damn it. Um, <laughs> and I, I only just got one to a million. Yeah. The other day. Uh, so I feel like my, my videos have been performing well, but like, I'm not really breaking through that like viral sensation sort of thing, which I think, which I think is, is, is okay. Cause I'm, I'm not here for like that quick gimmick. I want to sustain my audience. So, I mean, I, not to, to critique others, but you do see, Maybe they get that 4 million views, they get to their 50,000 followers, but then the rest of their videos are only sitting at three, four, four thousand. So there's a huge discrepancy between. So what that sort of tells me is yes, that one video did the job, but you then got to back it up with consistency. So I'm, I'm not, I'm not too mad, but it just, it would have been nice to have a few in the millions. Like it's all. Well, like, and you're talking specifically <laughs> about TikTok, correct? Yeah. Yeah. TikTok is, is such a volatile platform that. I find with Instagram, I'm going to be able to guess like a range of like this video is going to get, or this photo is going to get between this and this many likes. Like you can, you can be quite, quite good at guessing it, but with TikTok, it's literally like this could get a thousand or it could get a million. I have no you idea. You never know. Yeah. Yeah. The, the one that got a million, I was like in a hotel room and I was like, I haven't posted today. I've been banned for five days and I've just came back. So I, I need to post. And I was going through my camera roll being like, oh. I've got this weird backstage video from when we were rehearsing yesterday. And like, I think I, I'm in a costume, but I'm still wearing a mask. The two dancers with me are not in costume. They're just in like everyday clothes. There's no audience. There's someone walking past the frame. Like nothing about the video screams like per perfect and curated, mm -hmm. but it worked. Like, isn't that crazy? Uh, and it, it's funny because, um, I thought about remaking the video, um, like when the stage, cause we did our, our tech run. So all the lights were set up and we had our costumes on and I thought about remaking it and trying to really sort of stage it and plan it. But I just thought like, no, you, you just gotta like, like maybe it would have done well, but I just feel like it's the, the original is what really sort of does it. And yeah, you just, you just don't know. Some of the videos that I put the most effort in don't always translate to the, the most reward. Um, yeah. I find the same thing but... to be true. I find the same thing to be true. But just for, for those of people listening, you are a circus artist living in 
Melbourne, Australia. And I found you because you made an audio, I guess on TikTok originally, that was like, does it was something like, does this ice, am I gay or do I just like iced coffee? It was something like that. But that was, yeah. do you remember that audio? Yeah, I think that was like one of the first videos I did post on TikTok. And I, um, and so I'm it's probably way, way down on my profile now. Yeah, but I, I dubbed that over and then I think found you and then I followed you. And what's really stood out to me is, is number one, you're a circus artist. I, like I, we mentioned before the call was on Broadway and, and Cirque du Soleil's Paramore and worked with some really incredible circus artists. And I do think that there's, there's a community there that people don't really even know much about uh, yeah. on a broader sense that I think that you represent so beautifully in, in all the content that you do create. But I also think it's just so cool that like, I feel very connected to you and you live halfway across the world in a completely different time zone, a completely different half of the globe. And we've never met. So I just think it's really shows the kind of connections that can really happen within social media. Mm, well, it's, yeah, it's, it's making it, personal i get it it's it's moving away from being an influencer type and moving into being more of a like personality so like like i i don't call my like i've got the following potentially that i could you know start working as an influencer but i just feel like that would not achieve anything that i want to achieve and i would just become well i just become a sellout um <laughs> like 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 yeah i, th I think yeah be, being having a personality and being a personality is much more of a um uh, an asset than, than being curated and, and perfect. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely moving. Like social media is changing. I mean, it's what it does. It, it's this continuously adapting thing. So by the time you learn an algorithm and think, you know, the, the patterns that they've changed. Yeah. Like, uh, if, if, if someone's like, like social media, like coaches, if they're still giving the same information out as what they did 12 months ago, their information is going to be outdated. Like it, it has, it has to change with, with how things yep. um, sort of are changing. And I am, I'm, I'm actually glad to see the downfall of influencers. I, I never really appreciated that, that people were able to literally do the bare minimum and succeed so strongly. Like, like it, it was annoying because especially in my industry where I've got, you know, circus artists, actors, singers, dancers, um, all these sorts of artists and like their content is better, their product is better, but they're just not performing as well as someone who's literally sitting there hyper-filtered, like just posting selfies that are just repetitive and the same. It's like, how, why, why did this person succeed and this person didn't? It, it's frustrating. And it was frustrating seeing friends that, um, sometimes arguably more talented than I am, not be able to, to succeed in, in sort of creating like social media profiles and, and online sort of personas. Um, but you're like, but you've got the talent and it's all there. You like your product is just not coming across, which, yeah. yeah, which I mean, frustrating for me to see. So it must've been incredibly frustrating for them. I guess I, I was lucky that I got in fairly early with social media. Um, and I guess I like, I did take advantage of um, like how, how you originally built following. So like, like definitely like my content has evolved over the years. It's, I almost like knew what I had to do to get people's attention to start with. 
and then it's like once I got their attention, okay, how do I keep their attention? Mm. Um, so I definitely adapted my approach and my tactics. Um, well, actually, I made I made my original Instagram when I was retired, so I wasn't doing acrobatics when I first created my Instagram. So my Instagram was completely just like nothing selfies and stuff like that. I was I'm gonna I'm gonna go out there and say I was one of the original like useless thirst traps of Instagram. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say it would have been like back in like 2000 and like maybe like 2014. I think I, I reached my like 10,000, which was like a big deal back then. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I really feel like there wasn't many on at that point um, yep. where like I was, I wasn't displaying anything. There was no talent. There was no product. It was literally just, just the thirst traps on like an iPhone six. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then, and then as, as like my following grew, there was like more pressure to like, uh, do more and sort of present more. And that's where I, I sort of started considering coming back to things like performing and things again. Um, and then I sort of started to put more, more effort in and, and make it about more than just, just selling a thing. And like, like I've done, like I've done the odd like product and, um, campaign type thing, but it's not really, has never really been the focus, I think. Yeah. Like, so, yeah, I mean, if, if great, if great products and deals come along, like I'm going to jump on board, but yeah. that's not my, that's not my aim. Um, so I'm not, I'm not jumping on board with every sort of gimmick and offer and discount code that exists. Do you think it's uh different, we were talking a little bit about this, but I'd love to hear you talk to the audience a little bit about the difference in being a content creator in Australia, especially being a, an openly gay content creator. Um, I don't know, culturally, is coming out of the closet in Australia any different than coming out of the closet in small town America? Is you know, does it really depend on where you live? I don't really know culturally, you know, how the LGBTQ plus community is supported in Australia. So maybe talk a little bit about that and, and being an yeah. open, openly gay content creator. You know, I, I feel like the, the conversion between say Sydney and LA and Melbourne and New York is pretty comparable. Um, I feel like, like a Sydney to LA comparison is pretty close and a Melbourne to New York comparison is pretty close. So, I mean, um, you, you, in generally you're quite, you're quite safe. Like if you're in inner city, Melbourne, inner city, Sydney, um, you can be quite open. You can like, there's not a huge amount of like, uh, hesitancy, um, you know, going out on a Thursday night, for example, and, you know, dressing flamboyantly and, you know, openly expressing yourself as being queer. Um, in fact, like, you know, places like Melbourne, there's like entire suburbs and the joke is that the entire suburb is just full of a certain type of people. Like, like we, we, we've done that whole thing where like gentrification has gone the other way where it's like, you know, the northern suburbs of Melbourne are sort of the more alternate, um, sort of more fetish inspired queers. And then you've got the eastern suburb queers that are more your like, um, you know, fake tan, Botox, gym queers. Then you've got your western suburb queers that are sort of a little bit more of a mix. Maybe they're a little more like country inspired. So it's like we've almost made these little like pockets throughout um, parts of the city. Um, but then as you move sort of out, um, it definitely takes quite a turn so that there's a huge gap between like a metropolitan hub, like Melbourne 
and like places yeah in the middle of nowhere i think people um forget that the distance across australia is the same as la to new york like do people realize that that i don't uh, think so i don't think anybody knew going that. across yeah. yeah so going across australia is like going across america like huh. as in the 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 width so in terms in terms of land mass australia is pretty comparable to the united states Hmm. But our population density, if you look at like a map, we're pretty much just this edge and like that edge, like <laughs> we're, we're, we're so spread out all the middle bit, nothing. Absolutely. Really? So, so you end up getting these towns where like to get to a town, you leave somewhere, you could drive for several hours and see nothing and then end up in a town. <laughs> so these towns are like completely isolated. And so in terms of like, uh, how they experience different cultures and stuff, it becomes very, very white, very straight, very mm. sort of, uh, segmented. So in those sorts of communities, um, even now it'd be, it'd be such a hard time coming out as being queer or openly expressing, um, being queer. Uh, I know like, uh, 20 years ago when I was in one of those towns, it just didn't exist. Hmm. Like it wasn't a thing. Um, yeah. Just, it wasn't an option. It wasn't a thing. It didn't exist. And then even in terms of like, I think the only sort of way you could see queer people was like queer as folk on SBS at 1130 on like a Thursday night. Like <laughs> it didn't, it literally didn't exist. Wow. Uh, so yeah, like, like certainly like safe spaces in school wasn't a thing. It just, it just honestly wasn't a thing. Just not at all. <laughs> and then uh, like, you know, you move to somewhere like Melbourne and you can finally start getting sort of a glimpse at like just different people. Um, I think, yeah, even where I grew up, like having people of color was rare. Really? Like my, my, town, my town was completely white. Yeah, I think we had like... We had an exchange family um, and I believe they were from West Africa and they were like the family that was of color. Like it was insanely whitewashed where I grew up my entire <laughs> like schooling years. Um, I, if I found a school photo to show you of any year in primary school, I don't think there's a person of color in wow. my school photos. Uh, but then but then you make the move to to Melbourne and it's it's flipped. We have insane amounts of of like, like, uh, immigration and stuff. So like there are certain pockets of Melbourne where as a white person, you are the minority, not the majority. Um, so that was such a good, like cultural shift. So I moved, I moved to Melbourne just before I turned 18 and it was a huge shift in, in everything. Like so many like possibilities and like, like stuff was just completely opened up. And like the, the suburb that I lived in when I was first at uni, um, has has a huge like Vietnamese population to the point where like my local supermarket was a uh, like a wet market. So like, yeah, That's like cool. even that was just this. Yeah, it was a really cool way to like, I don't know, leave the the hometown and stuff like that, and sort of like start a new part of life. And it was dramatically different. Um, so it took like a bit of adjustment and things like that, but it, it was kind of it was really good, and it was it was really fun to experience other people and other perspectives. I really did enjoy that. Um, like it took some learning and took some adapting, but you know, so you never feel that's, that's like, 
as a content creator where you live in Australia, that there's you're ever putting yourself at risk or like you're in danger of because um, I, I feel like there's some countries where people just can't be openly gay content creators. Um, but Australia seems like it's progressive. If if you're if you're comparing New York to Melbourne and LA to Sydney, so do you feel yeah. like it's you know? it's important to be visible as an LGBTQ plus creator and, and in Australia. Well, yes, but I'm a dude, I'm white, I'm nearly six foot tall and I can bench press like enough. You know what I mean? So me being safe, I'm going to be very clear that just because I can feel safe, I know that not everybody can. Mm. So for me to sit here and be like, as an openly queer content creator in Melbourne, you can do what you want. No, I'm not going to say that I can because (laughs) I tick all of the privilege boxes, but one. Mm. So the fact that the fact that I'm queer is the only thing that I have against me in terms of how society rates people. Cause it does society puts everyone in a ladder and you've got the straight white dude sitting at the top of the ladder and everyone else is at least two or three runs below. That's that's how it works. Particularly in Australia, if you look at any of our, like, look at our parliament. Our parliament is all these, like, old white dudes. Yeah. And then you've got these people trying to creep up. But it's still, that is still who runs our country. That is still who runs all our major companies. Um, all of our idols, like, everyone that Australia idolizes, majority of them are still, like, white athletes, old white dudes, like, people are creeping up but it's it's just taking so much time like like we almost need um (laughs) that generation to just leave so that the next sort of way can sort of walk through but no modern medicine we're keeping it alive into their 90s when (laughs) we need them gone (laughs) like um, (laughs) i think my generation so i'm i'm in my early 30s now and i think my generation are waiting for the generation above us to just piss off. Like um, they're holding on to positions into their seventies that they're staying in politics, you know, to the point where it's kind of, it's almost a joke. You watch clips of it here and, and they're all these like old white dudes that have to have a nap during like speeches because, and then they don't understand relevant policies. They're not, they're not quick witted. They're not keeping up. And then you've got these like particularly young females coming through politics and they have to work four times as hard just to be listened to. And then, and then they give these amazing speeches and they know every detail about the policy they're arguing about and like what they're wearing still gets brought up and they just get dismissed and like spoken over and you're like, Oh God, that infuriates me so much. Yeah. Um, so yeah, circling back to that, it's like, yes, I'm pretty safe. Right. But I, I, I do tick quite a few boxes. That means that, um, I mean, I'm not really ever scared at a train station at night, but I I would never sort of say to people that you should just be comfortable and be confident all the time because that's still dangerous. Um, The reality of it is giving, giving people advice of just express yourself, be yourself, be comfortable in your own skin. We're not there yet. We can't do that. There's not the assurance that somebody doing that is going to be safe. Yeah. Um, so I don't have a solution for that is, is the problem. I, I don't, I can't give people advice that ensures that they can both express themselves openly and be safe. Yeah. And 
I, I just, yeah, I want, I want to make that clear that I, I, I don't expect everyone to also do it. So I'm not going to judge someone who, who still kind of hides parts of their personality behind closed doors because yeah, knowing where I grew up, uh, you would not be safe. Yeah. Like, I think I'm, that's really important to hear for yeah. people. Yeah. So that kind of leads me to, you're on this really awesome mission right now that I really, I, I, I don't know what started this mission, but I'm really motivated by this idea of you calling out queer baiters. And for people who don't know what queer baiting is, can you explain what that is to, yeah. to maybe someone who doesn't Wait, uh, know? I'm not sure how I got started on it either, to be honest. It just kind of <laughs> happened. So going back to like the Instagram days, it wasn't uncommon for straight dudes to also appeal to like both audiences, right? Yep. I mean, models do it, actors do it. Um, in terms of advertising and the modeling industry, um, that's fine. Um, I think that's what people are confused. I think people are thinking that I'm saying that queer baiting is any straight person that appeals to a gay audience. So, you know, Calvin Klein models are appealing to gay people. Um, companies like even like um, a lot of underwear companies do hire straight and gay models. But in, in my mind, they're, they're, doing, they're doing a professional role. Like that's their job. That's their work. They're, they're rocking up to work. They're doing the job, delivering the product. They're getting paid. That's their role. So to me, that's not queer baiting. What, what queer baiting is sort of more relating to is this purposeful kind of deception. And also they're not just posing in, and trying to encourage like a gay following. They're using gay themes and gay references um, to sort of do that. So, I mean, the very big common one that gets used is very masculine presenting straight men using a lot of like the top bottom mass femme kind of themes. And they're really sort of pushing particularly the idea that a masculine top is the best version of gay coincidentally because that's the closest to being straight so it's, it's very that so it's it's not the fact that it's a straight man that appeals to a gay audience that's not queer baiting that's the modeling industry i mean <laughs> that's how it works but in the modeling industry you see a campaign or a poster and it's up to you then to interpret whether or not you're attracted to them um, but when, when you're on social media and you're using gay hashtags, you're using gay themes, you're making jokes about sort of gay relationships and, and gay sexuality and queer sexuality, that's different. You're sort of stealing themes to really push this like sort of fake narrative. Um, and what people don't realize is, is all these profiles, they're, they're purposefully making fake profiles as well. So I initially got annoyed. I'm like, oh my God, there's a couple of straight dudes and they're acting gay on social media. This is super annoying. But then when I started actually looking into it, that's when it sort of got a little bit sort of scary for me because I don't know if people realize this, but so we'll use one, one example. There's an agency called Alpha House Boys and they call themselves an agency. <laughs> so basically what they do is they recruit um, straight male influencers that already have like a little bit of a like following, you know, maybe they have discount codes for pre-workout or something. I don't know. Something yeah. stupid. Um, yeah. and what they do is they, they teach them how to make fake profiles, how to set up their OnlyFans account, how to link their OnlyFans account, how to set up their fake TikToks, 
They give them the type of videos to make. They give them templates. They give them all these sort of things. There's even a YouTube series how they tell them how to like make their fake identities and like how to do it. And they and this essentially is public. Give this them... is public. Yeah, I found it all. Um, they're, they're brazen and they're confident, but the audacity of straight white men is that they believe they're unaccountable, so they're not very good at hiding or covering their own tracks. So like, yeah, yeah. no wonder most killers that get caught are straight white men because they're completely hopeless at like attention to detail um so essentially what what then happens is you have this agency let's say the agency has 20 boys working for them those 20 boys will each have four or five accounts those four or five accounts will just be posting the same it's the same videos that's the thing that frustrates me a little bit as well is uh, i i don't want to blame victims right so my thing has always been target the queer baiters not the audience but i'm getting to the point now where it's like if you can't see this over and over again, like we're going to have to be accepting a bit of this responsibility. Cause like you go to one of their profiles and it's the same video, the whole profile, just with a different caption, or they're wearing a different pair of pants. Um, it's, it's, there's no creativity. It's just repeated. And then you go to the other profiles and it's the same, but it's a different dude. So they're following these really um, boring and repetitive formulas. And all the trends are the same. It's like, uh, you know, dating is a top. Oh, I'm too big. Oh, I go too much. Like it's, it's those tropes that they just keep repeating. And so the fact that audiences are falling for it is, is starting to annoy me. So I'm well, it feels like you kind of like, it feels like you might've fell into a black hole, right? It's like the internet oh, can very, can very become easily that. become that. Right. It's like, Oh, I'm going to call this out. But then you're like, but this has been going and this is systemic. Like this has yeah. been happening for so long. Right. So there's, there's one that I know of that has about 20 profiles. One person has and, 20 profiles. Yeah. And all the 20 profiles are just repeating the content. So it's just reposting the same videos across 20 profiles. They all link to the same Instagram, the same OnlyFans. Um, and then like you report the profiles for impersonation doesn't get taken down you report like a lot of the jokes because they do cross lines of being offensive they're completely fine it's yeah it, it does get really irritating because they're so openly like breaking sort of the rules and really being unethical with how they're approaching this platform that it's just frustrating i feel like the reason they didn't do it on instagram is because you couldn't really get away with it but you can get away like with it on tiktok you, I feel like you can, and it just it just bugs me as well. Like like sort of going back to that sort of audience thing. A lot of people now tag me in their videos or sort of send me videos, being like, "Oh, is this person a queer beta?" Blah blah blah. And I'm getting to the point now where instead of doing like the work and figuring it out, I just sort of say, "Well, does this person do anything but sell you a product, or does this person do anything but deliver this sort of thing. And my argument is regardless of the person's sexuality or whatever, if all they do is sell you their only fans account, mm -hmm. then don't follow, you shouldn't be following them. Like, uh, like I want to see activism. I want to see a talent. I want to see, I want to see something. I want to see a skill. I don't want to see someone just standing there in a mirror, lip syncing badly. <laughs> to some caption about tops and bottoms. Like that's what it is. Um, yeah. And again, like these accounts. So the, the reason these accounts are doing so well is again, so they're part of an agency and being part of the agency means that when you post a video, several 
other profiles will instantly oh. like, share, comment. It's a network, so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, so they've created this thing. It's the, the main one is called Alpha House Boys. They're based out of Miami, I think. They've sent me like so many death threats and threats of legal action that it's kind of funny. Oh. Um, yeah, like, okay, what are you going to sue me for? I'd actually welcome that court case. <clears throat> but uh, yeah, so, so they're doing this. So it's very smart. Yeah, from a business perspective, I, it works because so the, the original person that started the agency has their OnlyFans and then they sign up all these people using referral codes. So this person is earning money from everyone else's OnlyFans as well as charging a commission fee. So oh the last gosh. time I saw the, the last time I saw the contract that they're bound by, I believe they have to give 20% of their OnlyFans earnings to the agency um and they're required to post a certain amount of videos they're required to to like other posts they're required to comment on other posts it's it's quite strict in terms of what the contract actually entails and then uh, and then are they so, yeah, are they required to make are they required to make a certain type of content within their only fans yeah yeah um well a lot of them don't actually make proper content in a way so I know there's been quite a few who've been caught out for um, there, there's there's one of them in particular. His entire Twitter feed is him using sex toys in his underwear and stuffing his underwear to make it appear huge. And then of course he's like selling you to go to the OnlyFans to see it, but it doesn't actually exist. There's also been a few that have been caught out um, taking other people's porn where you don't see visible faces and posting it and claiming it as their own. Oh, wow. Um, there's been people who have, have had staged like point of view videos that aren't actually them. Uh, there's a couple and they're, they're claiming that, you know, man on man action and like all this kind of stuff. But in reality, it's just a few five second jerk off videos <sighs> where they're not even showing a face. So you're now, you're now approaching this point where they're not only ripping off queer culture, they're also sort of taking away from legitimate sex workers. Yes. So because of these networks, they're able to gain thousands of subscribers very quickly. Meanwhile, you've got like legitimate sex workers who are putting in like, again, they're putting in the effort, they're putting in the work, they're, they're actually creating good content, but they're unable to succeed as much because their market's already been flooded and already been taken. And then you get to the point where, um, you know, as a legitimate queer uh, sex worker trying to, to gain a following on an app like TikTok, your content is then going to be dismissed as queer baiting. Mm. So someone messaged me the other day, um, and I, w I will talk about this because I mean, I think it's quite important saying that like, because of my videos calling out queer baiters, their profile gets called out, but they were a legitimate queer content creator. They, they make videos with men, they make videos with women, they make videos alone. For them, they're, they're a legitimate pansexual where their sexuality, it's more about fun and enjoyment. It's not, they don't, they don't use labels. They're very, they're very that. Mm -hmm. um, and I sort of said like, well, I get it. Like they are correct. Part of what I've done has done that. But I just try to sort of emphasize that, yes, maybe people are calling them out because I've made people aware of it. But I was trying to kind of, tell them that like, like, but blame the people that ruined it. Don't, right. Don't blame the people like myself who are calling it out. Blame the people who actually were the ones that ruined it. So if, if you didn't have these, these straight men pretending to be queer and pretending to be delivering 
porn when they're not. That's the thing. They're not delivering the product well, they're promising. I think the thing that stands out to me about all of this is I feel like this is another form of homophobia. You know, it's mm. it's that I look at this as these men taking advantage of what is genetically, you know, you know, people who are genetically predispositioned but marginalized by the collective, yeah, and are taking advantage of it, and and they think that they're capitalizing on it, but what they're doing is they're actually it's another it's the other side of the coin of homophobia. It's like you're actually taking away the the empowerment that is possible for people in the LG, in, in the queer community through social yeah. media. And well, it's, that, it's, it's, it's invading a safe space. That's, it's that's homophobia. what it's doing. Like, because uh, uh, like all their videos will have like hashtag gay, hashtag bi, hashtag gay boy, hashtag LG, like excessive amounts of that, which means it does start to approach on for you pages. And you know what I mean? Like, so it's, it's going to start working its way into the circulation of queer people's social media. And yes, yeah, so, so the issue is that they're doing this in such volume and in such bulk that like it's impossible for it to not come across your page. And like my worry is that there's part of it that's like if you were a young new queer person and the only way for you to experience queer culture is say online, you're getting this thing rammed down your throat that you're supposed to be masculine, you're supposed to shame bottoms, you're supposed to make fun of bottoms. You're going to get this idea that that being queer is just being straight, but you have sex with men. Like that's what it is. And, and it almost is like spreading that sort of like, I mean, it's no surprise to me that straight men pretending to be gay are misogynistic, like surprise, <laughs> like, cause that, that's where it is that the, the whole concept that like the tops, the, the alpha in charge person of a relationship, that's just misogyny rebranded. Like that's where mm. that's coming from. It's, it's saying that playing the role at the bottom is the feminine role. Mm. And the misogynistic default is that the feminine role is the inferior one. Like I'm, I'm the complete opposite. Like, uh, uh-uh. like without bottoms, gay culture wouldn't exist. Like you're welcome. Like, like, yeah, it doesn't work like that. So, but, so I, I do worry that instead of young queer people that are jumping on, on social media to, to find an audience are being fed the wrong one. So right. that's kind of like and, a side, a little side topic of, of, I want young queer people to see proper, strong, confident inclusive queer i don't want them to see straight white dudes pretending to be gay i don't want them to have in their their head that that's the concept because i mean speaking for for my generation so so a gay man that's in their 30s my introduction to gay was that 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 the straight white muscle dude was the apex gay like that Mm -hmm. was very very popular any any representation that i saw in my early days of porn tv movies gay was still basically straight and for for even even now it it feels like the straight white muscle gay sees themselves as superior and i mean it's getting better and like my social media has has totally changed like the amount of like those kind of influences i've unfollowed and i'm trying to like i want my following list to be as diverse as as possible like yeah, if, if, if I see a profile now, this is my general rule. If, if your profile is just selfies and you at beaches and you on holidays and you with your other white muscular friends, I unfollow you. I don't care. Like you've got nothing. 
particularly what really highlighted it for me um, was actually um, like com coming back to the beginning of the pandemic. So you had the Black Lives Matter movement kind of coincided with this, with the start of the pandemic. So you had Black Lives Matter being something that really was being pushed and spoken about. You had the whole concept of like, stay the fuck at home, wear your mask, wash your hands concept. And then also I feel like it coincided a little bit with this really push for, for platforms like Grindr and stuff to stop allowing people to be like, no fats, no femmes, no Asians like that. Like the, we had these three movements that were, that were very heavily circle, circulating and you'd go to some of these profiles and you'd be like the black lives matter thing was yesterday. And you're posting yourself at the beach with your eight white friends today being like, can't wait to be back in blah, blah, blah. And you're like, Hey, so I'd message someone being like, Hey, just, just check again. Like you haven't said anything about the pandemic. You haven't said anything about black people being murdered. You haven't mentioned anything about the blatant racism on gay dating apps. Like what's up, babe? Like what's your stance? And <laughs> they give me these like, oh, I don't want to be political on my profile or like, and that's shit. Like, that's just, it's like, it's trash. Human rights are not politics, honey. Human rights no, is not, like, it's not political. It, it's, it's not political when your own community are literally being like, like murdered, like sure you don't get hate crimed, but it doesn't mean that people don't like, it's very that. Um, so I think that's kind of, that was a big shift in my social media. That mm. was where I was like, I want, I want to be as far away as possible from that. Like I wanted to, to make sure that I wasn't that. So I, I did kind of move towards speaking out quite a lot. And like, um, that very big thing of like trying, trying as much as possible to rather than, you know, particularly with the Black Lives Matter, I, I really wanted to find um, influences and personalities that were saying it and then share their versions, not make my own. Mm -hmm. um, I, I get it. I get it that um, some of these white influences like, ah, oh, I don't want to like, you know, say it myself. I'm like, no, actually, I understand that. Like, you don't want to but but it's well then reshare somebody else's yeah, so like, amplify four, yeah these four profiles i found them for you um each of them have these really good insightful posts and then hopefully by you sharing their profile on your platform maybe they will gain more more followers they will gain more of a an audience and they can then you know do their work a little bit better um but it's it's very that so like I'm, I'm very like that these days if if i stumble across a profile and it's all the same and it's just them being attractive and and white and and you look at that like the, the big thing is to look at a following list i always look at who people follow and if who they're following is just the same same copied and pasted i'm completely disinterested <laughs> like it doesn't matter it doesn't matter how hot you are how great you look if your following list is just you copied and pasted 300 times it's i just don't <laughs> see the value in in having that and it's also having that on my social media feed was was really not wasn't achieving anything for me it was it yeah. was really kind of playing into my own insecurities and sort of my own self-doubt so that's really like that's that's my tips for social media i mean that the this whole queer baby thing on tiktok has really highlighted the fact that again i don't want to attack the audience but it's a little bit embarrassing sometimes seeing how heavily people play into it like it's it's a straight dude standing in front of a camera not wearing a shirt missing beats missing lip syncs and the comments are just completely like it's embarrassing like but i get where it comes from it comes from like generations of being fed 
this this whole thing. So it's a very hard thing to expect that overnight we can train an entire generation of queer people to stop idolizing the, the, these masculine sort of very very hyper masculine exaggerated versions of 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 it and sort of seeing that as like the most attractive because again you get people saying like i just like it if straight men want to appeal to me you just let them and da 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 and it's like i i kind of understand that but at the same time like you've got to be aware that that you're not the majority of the queer population like do do, do straight do um straight looking white dudes know that do they know they're not the majority i don't think they do um <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't think they do either, but I think that ultimately it's not, I think it's that they know that they can speak to the baseline of people's desire, mm. right? Like it's, it's yeah. such a, it's, it's such an unconscious, like you're saying, it's part of the culture for so long that this is how, you know, the masculine, feminine and um, top, bottom, uh, you know, all of that, that it just speaks to this baseline thing. And that's what I love and appreciate about what you're doing so much is that you're going against that and you're using your platform to call it out and not just call it out, but you're not calling out necessarily for them. You're not necessarily calling out for these straight dudes. You're calling it out for us as a, as a queer community to see and notice our ability to fall into internalized homophobic phobic mm. traps to fall into the status quo of what culture wants us to think is right and wrong. And I just appreciate that so much because so many people don't use their platform it, to make a difference, to change, to change the way we see and think. And, and you're doing that. Yeah. And I, and I hope you appreciate that that's how I receive it personally even if there's people who aren't necessarily ready to receive it that way. <laughs> well, it, it is, it is very that that's sort of what I'm trying to achieve. I don't want my social media to just exist just to show off. Like, like I believe you should back it up with, with something. And like, I'm not expecting every white muscular gay dude to become like a full blown activist. I just want to see like, just something just like, like every, every so often, at least, mention or talk about something that has some sort of relevance like i don't think they understand how and the, the sad fact is they have huge fault like if you were to line up um the top 10 queer people on social media in terms of their following i'm guessing they would pretty much all be these sort of muscular white white dudes like we and but it, so if they started even just doing just the bare minimum in terms of um activism like the bare minimum they would still reach so many people and their bare minimum would would go really far so i'm not saying that every person on social media has to be like activism activism look at me you know saving the world like i'm not saying that i'm just saying just fucking do something just even the smallest thing and the way i started is is like i did really little things and when i did small things it became more comfortable to you know what i mean like i couldn't have just jumped in and just completely whatever it, it it took myself getting used to um speaking about things to sort of get myself more comfortable with doing it like it is it is quite nerve-wracking and like i do still get concerned that i'm gonna say the wrong thing or i might like my language might slip up or, or something like that so so i i still i do get that um there's some hesitancy with being 
like uh, a bit more active on social media in terms of um, activism and stuff. Like I, I get it, but like literally if, if some of these people just did the bare minimum, if one in 10 of their posts was something community driven, I think that would actually start making a difference. Mm. Um, and I mean, so that's why I tell people when, te- when people send me profiles or tag me, it's literally that I say like, do they do anything for the community? Is there anything like, if you want, if you want to sell your OnlyFans, if you want to sell pre-workout, all that stuff, if you want to post all your gym selfies, beach selfies, I'm go ahead. Like I'm fully for that. Just please have the other side. If you're going to make thousands of dollars a week off of selling your shit to people, just give that little bit back. Well, I think it's important it's, it's to, free. yeah, it is free to post something insightful. It is free to post something. And like, like, I think, are, are they scared of losing followers by being controversial? Like, is it that, are they scared that if they, they speak up against um, a certain thing that they're going to lose some followers? It's like, I mean, you probably, like, I probably have lot, like, I know I've lost, like, people have messaged me. Like, it's funny. They, they feel need to message me to say, like, I used to follow you, but now you like, you just speak too much. You should just like stop talking and post more selfies. I'm like, you're literally like buy like what were you going to contribute to my page if you only followed me because i post selfies you're not if i if i did have a campaign if i was working with a a company you're not gonna you're not gonna purchase you're not gonna click my link you weren't here for that so cool i lost a follower but like i feel like the quality of my my audience is now better like it's getting to a point now where uh, the number of followers is good, but the more important thing is the quality. You, you want followers that are that are loyal and and sort of stuff. Like I, I do think with, with these OnlyFans accounts from these queer betas, they're very much they're very much going for bulk. So so the way that because the way they operate is is they have to make twenty profiles because they have to cast the net so wide, and often they're quite cheap because they know, they know that people will subscribe to these OnlyFans, realize it's bullshit and then unsubscribe. So they have to continuously, so, so, so the market that these queer betas need, they have to keep turning it over. It's, it's kind of comparing it to like fast food, fast fashion. They're not making a quality product. They're not right. charging a premium, but they just want in and out the door. Let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go. Yep. Yep. So, so the thing, the thing that my, my goal is if I can, make as many people know what they're doing as possible it's going to start cutting off their ability to do that and it's already working like uh not Good. to brag but one of them had three or four profiles when i started going for them and then now they made they've made like 20 um over christmas they appeared on like eight or nine gay meme pages like so they're paying the meme page to repost them but then comments have to be turned off because instantly it's just there and it's like great so you're still successful. Your OnlyFans is still doing amazingly, but like you're having to work so much harder to achieve that. And so I know that as one dude, I can't, I can't, I can't end it. I can't completely change it. But if I can make their job harder, if I can make it harder for someone to exploit an audience, I'm going to do that. And certainly when, when a new profile pops up and it's still in its early days, I will like, that's where I go because it's like, these profiles that have their 20 profiles and hundreds of thousands of followers. I mean, the bad thing about that is you call them out, but your comments get lost and like, you know what I mean? Like they, they've got the following sort of back it up. And also um, that's where you target one of these profiles. You wake up the next day and three of your videos have been taken down for content violations because you've been mass reported. 
that's how it works. So yeah. it happens all the time. I'll, I'll go after mm. certain members of these, these um, scamming groups um, and I'll wake up to be mass reported and then I'll appeal all the violations. All the violations will be overturned because they weren't violations, but I'll be banned for five days. <sighs> <laughs> so it's like, so that's what happened last time. I, I got, I got a content violation. Uh, I got a seven day ban. I appealed all the violations. All the violations got overturned. All the content got restored, but I got left with a, a five day violation. And um, so I couldn't comment, couldn't do anything with my, with my accounts. And it, it's, it's literally sort of that thing where Again, I think you're saying it's a black hole. So there's an agency, the agency are employing these guys. These guys are making multiple profiles. They're all earning commissions through OnlyFans. They're all using each other to boost each other's content. They're um, blocking, reporting gay content creators, queer content creators. They're also, your For You page is being taken up by them when it should be being taken up by genuine queer content creators. And then they're also, the fact that queer content creators are so heavily targeted. So we're all getting blocked and yep. banned while their content is getting boosted. Yeah. So it's without even like take away the money part where they're literally scamming money. Yeah. They're also taking away the safe space and they're taking away the platforms for genuine queer people. Again, going back to that young queer people are going to be inundated with, with their content, not our content. Right. Um, I mean, I get, I get comments a lot on some of my videos being like, you're just jealous that these people are taking your audience. And it's like, yeah, cause I'm sick of straight people always having the audience and always just being, it's like that, that concept that straight white dudes seem to just be given things. And social media was like a particular before TikTok days, it was much, it was like a place that queer people could really do well because we just, I don't know. It's just. We're, we're different. We're creative. We have selling points where we, we tend to sort of really go for things. And so, so for, for like the one thing that queer people had where we had an advantage that taking that, like, like what else do they want? Like, I know. Can they stop? It's, it's so initially well, it was and just hopefully about that. It was just that we're taking that away. But, but when you add in the, the amount of money and stuff that they're also exploiting, that just got me completely like that took it to a whole new level. Um, well, yeah, and, I, and just seeing, seeing myself and so many creators get so heavily punished. Um, yeah. Like uh, it's, it's weird. Like I'll stitch a video of, of them being clearly homophobic on their 18th account and mm -hmm. clearly scamming, but I'm the bully because I addressed it. Um, so that can get quite frustrating as well. Um, and like, it's, it's just, and so now I, like, as I'm posting, I'm kind of worried that my content will get violations without having violations. And well, means I would encourage anyone who's listening, anyone who's listening to this, go follow Tro, go engage in his content because you are doing good work. And I think that that's ultimately like why I wanted to do this podcast was like, how do we get queer content creators more visible and seen? And also um, how can we use our platforms for a, something bigger and something more meaningful? And I think you're doing a lot of great work. We have to start wrapping up because we're almost at an hour. I feel like we could talk about this forever. <laughs> um, well, yeah, but it's, it's a black hole. That's, that's the thing. Like, Queer baiting is no longer just straight dudes pretending to be gay to get OnlyFans followers. There are so many levels to it that even trying to like explain it better on videos is getting 
really tough. And it's just that I think uh, TikTok needs to be more about their, like, like according to TikTok, you can't make that many profiles, but people do. Um, OnlyFans doesn't have any, it doesn't follow the rules of marketing. So on your OnlyFans buyer, you can say man on man action, da, 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 da. And whether or not you deliver that when someone actually subscribes is irrelevant. So there's no, there's no feedback. There's no rate rating system. Mm. There's no, there's no way that there's no like consumer reports. So they're currently, they're currently getting away with it because, um, like I said, they're going for this, this mass thing where they don't care if people subscribe, complain and unsubscribe because they've already made a third profile and they're already trying to, to reach another, another section of audience. So I mean, it'd be great if, like, I need a contact at OnlyFans. I need, like, that's, I think that's my next sort of way to approach this is I I need to start um, finding people there and be like, hey, like, why are you letting these people get away with it? And I get it because OnlyFans is making 20% of their profits. Mm -hmm. And it would, it would have to be in the millions. Mm -hmm. It would have to be millions of dollars. These eight, like Alpha House Boys would have to be worth millions per year the size yeah based just strictly on i know how much i i've ever earned is like in top five percent of only fans and if they're in the top like one percent and there's 20 of them and like that's a lot of fucking money it is an insane amount of money um so so it's i imagine uh, the way that only fans would see it is why would they want to change it and make when it when they're making fair? money like well it would be fascinating so to have that conversation. And I think you, I think you should. And that there's a content creator named Aaron Goldenberg, who was on my podcast, actually his episode released today. And he is trying to create comedy content on OnlyFans. They actually reached out to him because they want to diversify their content and not make it all sex, sex related. Um, Yeah. He might be somebody you should you should reach out to because he had a direct content. Well, bravo to you. We have to we have to wrap up because we're right in an hour. But I, where can people follow you? What's your handle on TikTok and on Instagram? Well, it, everything's just the official try. I try to keep all of the profiles that exist as great. The, the I'll same put all Instagram. that in the in the show notes here, and everyone go follow him. Yeah. He, there's so many beautiful things. Just, just, just follow, follow queer content creators. And like, I think people like, it's so easy. So, so without doing anything, everyone can actually like help a little bit. So if you don't want to be fully activism, if you're scared to use your, like, like some people may be in a position where um, them speaking up about things could be dangerous. I, I acknowledge at the start of, of, of this podcast, not everyone has the amount of privilege that I have to be loud. But just doing little things like like by you liking, commenting, sharing, watching videos all the way through, that's actually a big thing to help. So if all you do, if the only thing you change with how you approach social media is every time you see a genuine queer content creator, every time you see someone speaking up about social rights issues, if you just let that video play through, if you leave a comment on that video, some people leave comments on my videos now saying um, algorithm. And what that is, it's, it's them acknowledging that they're commenting to boost the post, to, to add to the algorithm. Brilliant. Done. Like that yeah. is literally. It's a wonderful if, way if, to if support creators. And if you don't have the platform to do the things that I do, that's literally all you have to do. And then when, when you're, 
when you're scrolling through your TikTok or your social media and you see someone you find attractive, I'm not saying you're not allowed to follow them, but maybe just go to their profile and be like, do they have, is there a talent? Is there activism? Is there awareness? Is there community? Do they follow diverse people? Just, just do these little like checks. And so you don't have to figure out whether they're a queer baby. You don't have to figure out their actual sexuality. You're just looking at their content. Does their content deliver something? And like I said, it's okay to have an OnlyFans. It's okay to be a thirst trap. It's okay to use your social media to sell products. As long as there's just one other thing, just have something in there yeah, that, something human. that indicates that you actually give a shit about people yes. other than yourself and your own pocket. Just literally, that's that's my advice. So Amen. comment, share, like, genuine queer videos and just do a little bit of a check before you follow someone. Such good advice. Such good advice. Thank you for being here. And everyone go follow him because you do suggest amazing. I follow a lot of people that you've suggested and brands that you've suggested. So keep it up. And um, thanks again. Mm -hmm.